Good morning and happy Thursday to you. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you in this 7 a.m. hour. And it's a it's a great day. I'm just going to say that off the top. I already know it's a great day because of what's in store today. It's my wife's birthday, and we're going to be celebrating her all day. Unfortunately, I know she's not listening right now because she's in a meeting for work, but if you could join me in praying for her today, I'd be grateful. What a great gift we can give her. And uh, anybody that has a birthday today, let's pray for everybody's birthday. And we offer our day with our morning offering as we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for the, all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we're going to visit with a Benedictine, and I love Benedictines. I love uh, any chance to interact with the monastic communities. And so today will be a treat. We'll be talking about one of the newest beatified Benedictine monks, Father uh, Columba, Blessed Columba Marmion, and the grace of nothingness. So that is what's in store today. For our radio listeners, we are also going to be talking about getting ready to be 60 days out from Easter, or as we say in Latin, sexagesima, uh, 60 days out. And then we're also going to be looking at some words from Father Goring this morning. Plus, we've got our music for our radio listeners and our daily dose of encouragement for everyone, weather and saint of the day. Speaking of the weather and saint of the day, Let's go to Mike Roberts for both of those now. Today is the feast day of St. Apollonia, who was a martyr. Born in Alexandria, Egypt in the 2nd century, Apollonia was part of a Christian community that came under attack during a celebration of the founding of Rome. A local poet had predicted there would be a calamity caused by the followers of Christ. This prompted an Egyptian mob to rise and attack Christians in the community there. A Christian man and woman were seized and killed, houses destroyed, and then they turned on Apollonia, who was a deaconess. They beat her severely, knocking out all of her teeth, then threatened to burn her alive unless she denied Jesus Christ and her faith. Instead, she ran directly into the fire where she died. Apollonia is the patron saint of dentists. Saint Apollonia, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. You may be familiar with a monastic order called the Benedictines, the Order of St. Benedict. They've been around pretty much since the beginning of monasticism, uh, the original monastics. And we're happy to have with us today Father Cashin Kenneman, a Benedictine monk from the Abbey of St. Mary and St. Louis, here in St. Louis, sometimes referred to as St. Anselm because it's the parish or priory because that's the high school. 
But Father, it's good to have you with us. Thank you. You're very exact. We are the Abbey of St. Mary, Mediatrix, and St. Louis. Almost no one knows that because Benedictines are often labeled by their location. So it's proper to call us St. Louis Abbey as well, and almost everyone does. But those are our two patrons. All right. Well, that's the first time I've been told I've been exactly specific on the show here, which I'll, I'll take it today. Father Cashin, you and I met at the uh, SEAT conference recently, and we were talking about your book, which is what brings us together today. But as always happens, what we think we're going to talk about and then what ends up unfolding sometimes are two different things. And we were talking about eighth graders because at Priory, you teach eighth graders. And I asked you, what do eighth graders like the most? And first off, tell us what course you teach the eighth graders. So I teach New Testament to eighth graders at St. Louis Priory School. Yes. All right. And, and what is it about the New Testament that they like the most? Well, they like anything that's new to them. You know, you know. I don't know if you've ever met an eighth grader that thinks he knows everything about God. I don't know if you've ever met, you know, any high schooler that has the same point of view. Um, but they think they know the stories, and oftentimes they do know the stories. Um, but uh, I would say generally applying the stories to their lives is what is really fun to do and a new thing for them. I like to stress grace. I, obviously, my, my book is called The Grace of Nothingness. Grace is a big topic for me. But they learn how... At a basic level, grace just heals, transforms, and perfects us. And that really is a new topic for eighth graders and one that, that gets uh, fun to have and fun to, to explore. Recently, they explored it in a paper on the kingdom of God, and they came up with their own title, which is Wherever God Lives for the Kingdom of God. And then we broke that into you know your standard three points, and that was the kingdom of God in heaven, which was pretty easy for them, the kingdom of God on earth, which was a little bit more difficult for them, and they talked a lot about Jesus, and then the kingdom of God in them, uh, which I thought was a very fun category for them to explore, and I think they had fun with it as well. Well, that's amazing to hear. It, I, as a parent of a seventh grader, I'm looking forward to this because as the younger siblings ask questions, the seventh grader he has all the answers <laughs> yeah. uh, and, until he doesn't. But, you know, the, the book you mentioned is called The Grace of Nothingness, Navigating the Spiritual Life with Blessed Columba Marmion. And I had to laugh because when we first met and you said, oh, I'd, I'd love to come on the radio. I said, well, what could we talk about? And you said, nothing. And I said, well, Father, that doesn't work on the radio. We have to talk about <laughs> something. And you said, no, the grace of nothingness. And immediately I was thinking asceticism, you know, because we, we talk about fasting a lot on the show. We talk about living a simple life, an ascetical life. And that's a good thing. But that is not what Blessed Columba Marmion is speaking about when he talks about the grace of nothingness. At least in, in the t classic example of asceticism, that's not what he most focuses upon. This is true. He, he really is talking about how to allow ourselves to be as enlivened by God's grace as possible. Uh, but the part of that that he emphasizes is how to empty ourselves so as to be as filled with God's grace at every moment and his transformative power. Interestingly enough, on your comment that I had a high schooler recently that gave me the great advice, and maybe even proper advice, that my book should have been like the grace of somethingness, at least, you know, and, and he thought that, you know, I should make it perhaps the grace of how to be the most important person in the world or, you know, something along those lines of what a high schooler thinks. Um, but this is really talking about a person who's craving after holiness and has encountered a phrase in the saints often is when they say, I am nothing, and wants to break open why they say that as a very helpful phrase for their humility and why that really helps them with their divinization, like why that really opens things up for them in the relationship with God. I think of St. John the Baptist, he must increase, I must decrease. So I must empty myself so that he can fill me. 
I must become nothing so that he can be everything, if I'm understanding you correctly. Absolutely, 100%. So, you know, part of it is John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. The saints are going to transform that phrase over time to say, I am nothing, and we can talk a little bit about that. Um, but the other side is that with him, I can do all things in Christ, you know? So there's that filling part, right? That you, you go, If you go using St. Therese of Lisieux with empty hands, you're hoping for them to be filled, and with him, we can do all things. All right. Now, for those listening to our radio broadcast this morning, we're going to give you the quick hit right now. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot more we can talk about with Blessed Columba Marmion and the Grace of Nothingness. So you have to tune into the podcast because we're going to continue our conversation after the show today. So be sure to check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast today if you like what you're hearing and to hear more. But Father, for those in the car right now doing their morning commute, if you had to make one point from Blessed Columba about the grace of nothingness. What is one thing I can start doing today or our listeners can start doing today so that they can have the grace of nothingness? Great. So within a common context of, say, a Catholic way of life, right, I have to presume that you know a lot about the system, so to speak. Uh, But within that context, to have a humble confidence in God. And it is so important to keep those two aspects together. So without too much humility, even good humility, uh, we can really fall to, to some confusion and some despair. With too much confidence, and I learned this from Paul Murray in Rome, that uh, we can have um, too much presumption, you know, without balancing it out with the humility. And Marmion was great on both of those points uh, and, and did them in full uh, in, in his comments on spiritual direction. Now, the overly confident, I think it's kind of a cliche because I've heard it so many times, but the joke of the man stuck, there's the floods coming, he's on his roof, and they come by with first with the truck and say, can we rescue you? He says, no, God will come and rescue me. And then the water rises some more. They come by with the boat. No, God will rescue me. I don't, I don't need the boat. And then they come with the helicopter and God will rescue me. I don't need the helicopter. Then the man is overtaken by the floodwaters. He dies and he says to our Lord at the judgment, you know, I, I thought you were going to come rescue me. And our Lord says, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What more do you want? That's the overconfidence, I'm guessing. But what would be the humility? Well, the overconfidence can take so many subtle forms. So what I would say is like the real enemy that we're, we're talking about here is like a false self-reliance. And I'm not talking about that true, like everyone has to have that psychological self-reliance. That's a, that's a presupposition. But like this false thing, like I've got this, God, like I don't need you right now, right? Which can take that form of I want it in a very particular way from God uh, of, of your example. Um, but that more subtle way of just not turning to him, not looking for help, like not looking for his grace, or I've got my life under control the way I want it. And uh, that that can get us off off course in that subtle presumption. Uh, and then on the false humility of just kind of wallowing too much, you know, and he, he doesn't want us even in proper humility to attribute his greatness within us or not say that we don't have these skills or talents for the mission he's given us. There are a lot of good things that we need to uh, hold on to there. All right. Now, this this is why I'm excited we're going to be able to talk after the show, because there's a lot more of this I'd like to dig into. But for those of you listening, the book is The Grace of Nothingness, Navigating the Spiritual Life with Blessed Columba Marmion, Father Cashin Kenneman, OSB, that's Order of St. Benedict, and it's available through Angelico Press. Father, could I ask you to offer a prayer for our listeners? 
Yes, uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and be with us. Fill us. We ask you to really use us as your instruments throughout this day. Help us in all of our interactions and our relationships, and shine forth through us your grace that we may give glory to you in our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Vocation prayer for youth. O Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom and divine love, impart your knowledge, understanding, and counsel to youth that they may know the vocation wherein they can best serve God. Give them courage and strength to follow God's holy will. Guide their uncertain steps. Strengthen their resolutions. Shield their chastity. Fashion their minds. Conquer their hearts. And lead them to the vineyards where they will labor in God's holy service. Amen. Here is our catechist question for you today. On Saturday, we celebrate the memorial of Our Lady of Lourdes, the apparition of the Blessed Mother to St. Bernadette Subaru in Lourdes, France, at which she said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Now, the Immaculate Conception is a dogma of Catholic Church. It was proclaimed in the papal bull and Ephibalus Deus by Pope Pius IX. So here's the question. Which happened first? The declaration of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception in Ephibalus Deus by Pius IX or the apparition of the Blessed Mother to St. Bernadette at Lourdes? Which happened first? first. Remember at that apparition, Mary said, I am the Immaculate Conception. Now, the way I'm phrasing this, you might have caught on, is a trick question. It actually was Pius IX's declaration that came first. That was in, I believe, oh, I had the date pulled up here. It was 1854. And in that uh, papal bull, he says, we declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the blessed, most blessed Virgin Mary in the first instance of her conception by a singular grace and privilege granted by Almighty God in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the human race, was preserved free from all stain of original sin, is a doctrine revealed by God and therefore to be believed firmly and constantly by all the faithful." Hence, if anyone shall dare, which God forbid, to think otherwise than has been defined by us, let him know and understand that he is condemned by his own judgment, that he has suffered shipwreck in the faith, that he has separated from the unity of the church, and that furthermore by his own action he incurs the penalties established by law if he should are to express in words or writing or by any other outward means the errors he think in his heart. So that was 1854. In 18. 58 in Lourdes, the Blessed Mother appeared first starting on February 11th and appearing all the way through July 16th. And it was at the apparition on the Feast of the Annunciation, March 25th, where the Blessed Mother said to Bernadette in the dialect of Lourdes, I am the Immaculate Conception. So there you have it. Lourdes, the apparition at Lourdes was second in chronological order. And Pius IX defined our belief in 1854. And when we come back, we'll have the weather for you and the daily dose of encouragement. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Prayer to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. O Mother of Perpetual Help, grant that I may ever invoke thy most powerful name 
which is the safeguard of the living and the salvation of the dying. O purest Mary, O sweetest Mary, let thy name henceforth be ever on my lips. Delay not, O blessed lady, to help me whenever I call on thee, for in all my needs, in all my temptations, I shall never cease to call on thee, ever repeating thy sacred name, Mary, Mary. It's hard to believe just how many things are packed into Matthew chapter 5, and we've had three in addition to the Beatitudes. We're not even talking about the Beatitudes this week. Patty, what is number four for us on this daily dose of encouragement about Matthew chapter 5? All right, well, I do love Matthew 5. I mean, it's hard to take a look at these, not even suggestions, these are commands by our Lord, and He's telling us how He wants us to live, and and they can be very, very challenging, but boy, they just come, they're straightforward, they are just nuggets of truth, and when we ponder them and have the courage to look at them in our own lives, they can bear great fruit. So today we're going to look at Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37. You've heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. All right, that's Matthew five thirty-three to 37. Great verses. Modern version of that is really simple. Let's clean up our language. I am guilty of this from time to time. I will sometimes let a bad word or phrase come out of my mouth just to get a laugh or for effect. I am guilty of this. We all need to be reminded of of this now and again. And so today is a great day to take an inventory and see where and when we all slip and fall and make an effort to have your speech reflect your heart. These are little things, but they matter. Let's clean up our speech. Again, and I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I know I need to do this myself. So again, God is telling us, let our yes mean yes, our no mean no, and we don't need any more than that. That's all we need, yes and no. Be clear, be concise, say things out of love. But remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So take a look at what's coming out of our mouth today. Probably the hardest encouragement you've given us so far this week, and not that the other ones are light, but this is one that many of us are going to need to take to heart today. Patty, thank you so much for this dose of encouragement. All right, well, we're still rocking and rolling this morning, although from the looks of it, we might stop rolling and just blow away uh, the way the wind's picking up out there, which Mike Roberts told us it would, so, you know, not surprised by this at all, but... I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Toto in a picnic basket and a bicycle going by the window out there this morning. That's how windy it's been at times. I do have to uh, express a word of gratitude. Patty Schneier came to our children's school last night to speak to the parents, and it, what a wonderful talk. But I had to laugh because we, we were talking, you know, how long will, will the talk be and how long is allotted for the talk? And, and there was a little bit of wiggle room there. And it went a little bit longer than we planned, but that's okay because it was really good, as you can imagine. And my my wife said to me, she goes, 
Well, you knew it was going to go a little bit long. Patty started talking about the Eucharist and how can she, she's so fired up about the Eucharist and she loves our Lord in the Eucharist. Why are you surprised? And I said, oh, I'm not. I was just soaking it all in. And the, and the beautiful thing is the parents were too. So, uh, you know, what a, what a great opportunity. And it's an important thing. You know, we have our, our Catholic schools. Let's not be shy about talking about our Catholic faith. And I know so many of our good pastors and principals and catechists, they are not shy at all. We pray for them each and every day. They do tremendous work and we're grateful for that speaking of not being shy about our faith and wonderful talks have you heard about the st louis marion conference i bet you have because i've talked about it on the airwaves before but i just want to remind you it's coming up in may and this is one of those ones you're saying hold on adam don't we need to get through the the men's conference and the women's conference that are coming up first? Well, yes, we do. And that's a good reminder for us. Catholic Men for Christ, February 18th at St. Louis University High School's Psy Commons here. It's right by the Science Center. If you know where the Science Center is, you know where this conference will be. CatholicMenForChrist.org has everything you need to sign up for that um, And it is going to be a fun day. I'm the MC that day. Uh, Deacon James Keating, who was with us on the show last week or earlier this week, I've kind of lost track of time. He's going to be with us that day. Hector Molina, Marcel Lejeune is going to be there. Archbishop Brzezinski offering Holy Mass as well. And by the way, uh, young adults, there's a, if, if you're a member of the St. Louis Young Adult community, check out the social media post for St. Louis Young Adults because there is a promo code to get you a discounted registration for that. Catholic Women for Christ coming up March 11th, we'll have Sister Mary Carolyn Noons, who we've had on the air before, Katie Prejean McGrady, Father John Schneier, unofficial sports correspondent for Roadmap to Heaven, and Archbishop Rosansky. Their website is CatholicWomenForChrist.org, so CatholicMenForChrist.org, CatholicWomenForChrist.org. It's easy. And then the St. Louis Marian Con which is in May. And I bring this up now because you're going to want to make plans to be there the whole weekend. And if you have kids, that might mean some logistical arrangements you need to attend to now. And why do I say this? Well, I was just looking at this lineup of speakers at stlmc.org. And I mean, it's like the Covenant Network uh, favorites here. You got Father Bill Casey. We've had him on our airwaves before. It's been a while. We're going to try and get him on Roadmap to Heaven coming up here soon. Father Mitch Pacwa. You hear him every Wednesday on Open Line Wednesday. You hear him on Holy Mass on our airwaves. You hear him on so many great programs. Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, we haven't had him on yet before. He's the only one we haven't had on, but we're going to change that too, I think. Monsignor Eugene Morris, you know him. Dr. Ray Garendi, Jesse Romero, Patty Schneier, and Zipper's up. They're all going to be there that day, and we're going to be there too, uh, having a good time. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, St. Bernadette, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, the Marian Conference, stlmc.org. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have an encore presentation of Roadmap to Heaven at our normal time. We'll be talking about the Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Lords. And then for those of you in the St. Louis area or listening online at our Catholic Radio, 9 a.m., we're going to be broadcasting from Marquette Catholic High School in Alton. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright, as the Blessed Mother wants us to do every day. Pray your rosary today. For those of you enjoying Roadmap to Heaven on the podcast today, it's one of those special days because now that the show's concluded, we actually get to continue our discussion with Father Cashin Kenneman, uh, author of The Grace of Nothingness and, and reflecting on Blessed Columba Marmion. 
And th- this is where I really love to dive in here, Father. So first off, uh, one thing we omitted while we were in the show, Blessed Columba Marmion. Who was Blessed Columba? Let's cover that really quick. Sure. So he started. He's an Irishman. He was an Irishman. He died in 1923. This is the cent- or centenary of his death. And um, let's see. So he was an Irishman. Became a diocesan priest. Became a professor of dogmatics, and then eventually felt uh, the call on his heart to become a monk. So he entered a, a monastery in Belgium, uh, Merid Sioux. His mother had been French, so he did have a French-speaking upbringing. And became a monk and a teacher there as well at Merit Sioux. They have a boys' school similar to ours. And he did some teaching at the local seminary. But uh, he really is known best for his books of spirituality, which are all still in print a hundred years after his death. Uh, he's the most recent Benedictine to be beatified, so he's the one who is our playbook today for holiness. Um, so. We look to him for, for our help and guidance and, and advice. All right. Wonderful to hear. I, I always love learning about new blesseds, new, uh, soon hopefully to be Saint Columba Marmion, but, you know, that's the process we have to go through there. So now during the show, we're talking about the grace of nothingness. And, and one of the things you mentioned was this humble confidence in God that as I've been pondering this, um, you know, we, we don't want to be overly confident. We don't want to be so humble that it's woe is me, woe is me. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, the two extremes in this. As a father, I could say, you know, I, I'm not capable of doing anything well. And any good fathering, you know, it, that's all God because I, I'm not capable. I don't even know that I should try God. You should just take over for my family because, I mean, who am I that you should use me? And I, I am just, you'd be better off with someone else. That could be the one extreme. And then the other one I would pose is to say, well, because God's working through me, obviously I will not make any mistakes as a father. I am the perfect father, the best father my children could ever have. In fact, dare I say the best father in all of history. Is that a little bit closer to what we're talking about on those extremes of humility and confidence? Sure, those would paint both extremes very well, I think. On the level of presumption, I remember I went to a Broadway play, uh, I think it was called Grace, in fact, where, you know, the family, I think, sold their 401k and they knew exactly how God was going to bless them in their enterprises, right? And it didn't turn out so well for them, right? If you you, know, you risk everything and God didn't necessarily bless exactly what you wanted him to bless that way. Uh, on the other side, you know, it's interesting. Bad humility, I think, always takes any form of I'm a loser. You know, it, fundamentally, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3b, God says, um, this is the will of God, your sanctification, and if God's willing it, he's working on it. So if he's constantly working on my sanctification, for example, um, every day he's reworking the plan as much as, as necessary. He may correct me to get me on the best, most efficient route of that plan, but he's fundamentally never, never, ever going to make me feel like a loser. And any time that I have someone in my life make me feel that way, someone a long time make me feel that way, it still echoes around in my life. But whenever it takes that expression... I think it's not from God and it's to be rejected. You know, there's that real false notion of I'm a loser and it's just not true. We're beloved children of God, beloved sons and daughters of God. And so there's that real dignity that anytime that starts to erode, that would be a, an indicator. I was speaking with someone recently about this this phrase that uh, I've, I've grown to rather strongly dislike that God would never give you anything that you couldn't handle. And I think the better way of saying that is God would never give us anything that he can't handle. But that doesn't mean we don't have a part in this. So going back to my analogy of my fatherhood, 
There are times that as a father, I say, all right, this is a new experience. We have not encountered this before. I don't know what to do, but I do know who's on my side. Mm -hmm. So before we make a decision about whether or not we're going to do this with the kids or or not, or if we're going to discipline in this fashion or allow them to do this new thing that we're encountering, maybe we ought to step back and go to our Lord in prayer and say, Lord, help us to know your will. Help us to make the right decision for our children, for our family, knowing that you know, we have free will in this, and we're going to have to get our, our skin in the game, or we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and do some of this work of parenting here. But we can't do it alone, but we can't presume that we're so wretched that it's not worth even trying. Oh, absolutely. So now you're right, I think, on track for something more like a good humility, a good sense of, like, if you're really... I think being generous with God in your life, you'll sometimes be pushed to those limits. And sometimes those limits are going to challenge us to grow. And those limits are going to sometimes feel uncomfortable. Every once in a while, we may feel a little even helpless. And that's that's a good reminder at that limit of being like, okay, I need to pray. I need to find, discern where God is in all this. This is a new experience for me. I need to rise to this challenge, but with his help. And yes, that's really, you can feel that, right? And sometimes uh, another side of it, and and Mother Teresa talks a lot about this, and I talk about her following Marmion in this aspect in the book. I draw a connection to her. Um, Sometimes we can feel the purification, right, of, of feeling a little bit lost in something, or that purification of not knowing exactly what to do until that inspiration comes. Uh, and, and there's a there's a role for that in life as well. Lest I overcomplicate things, I've been known to do that from time to time. I want to get to this. You, you mentioned when we were prepping for our time together today that there are really three basic points to all of this. And we've talked about humble confidence. I'm assuming that's one of the three. Well, I, I would say the context of, of Catholicism generally, I have to say that, right? This, right? this isn't a humble confidence for just anyone outside of the system of grace. Perhaps that works, but I'm relying on specifically yeah. God's grace, you know, and yes, it works outside the church, but I, we're trying to, that context is one key aspect of it. Humility is one key aspect of it, and, and confidence in God's mercy, God's you know love for each person is one key aspect of it. So those would be the three points. Okay, so with with the church or in the church, essentially, we, we can't just be out on our own saying, oh, well, I got this taken care of. You know, I don't need these structures. I don't, I don't, I don't need any of this. I can do it. I'm Adam Wright. You know, I'm the host of Roadmap to Heaven. I can do anything. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I mean, the context is that, you know, I'm presuming a certain adult knowledge of Catholic ways of life and sacramental life and grace, you know, and trying to have grace operative in one's life. Uh, and that's so important, seeing that grace as for today, not just about heaven, but about helping me uh, heal transform perfect into who God wants me to be today trusting that there is this path of sanctification for each person that is remade as many times as possible uh, for what I need from this point in my life to the rest of my life to be the most amazing version of me uh, but yes within the context of Christ's grace Christ's church and a certain kind of presupposition of moral living you know that that all entails. This goes back then, I I imagine, to the eighth graders and that question of uh, the kingdom of God in heaven and the kingdom of God on earth. And then as they're finding the kingdom of God in themselves or for us, the kingdom of God in ourselves, the kingdom of God 
in me and that, well, we can't really be in the kingdom of God if we're rejecting all of the principles and, and the teachings right. that God gives us on how to live a, a good life, a moral life, an upstanding life, a holy life. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you can't be an axe murderer and necessarily yeah. follow this advice as as in the same way. Right. Yeah. You could follow it to repentance and to entering back into the church. But this is not for that that time in life, so to speak. Right. I, I want all of the grace of taking a shower after a hard day's work without actually ever stepping foot in the bathroom to turn the water on. That doesn't work. We have to go and we have to get into the water. Um, all right. So with that, I want to go back to the eighth graders here because I I think that's where we all start. If I remember in kindergarten, Mrs. Hymo said, we're going to do a presentation on heaven. And I want everyone to draw a picture of what heaven looks like. And I would say of the 30 of us in the classroom, 29.99% of us you know, drew a picture of clouds, some with a cross in the clouds, mm. some with angels, some with just rays of sunshine. But the, everything was a blue sky with clouds at its core. And then – you know, I don't remember where that flipped it. Like, oh, well, you know, our Lord says in the Gospels, the kingdom of God is at hand. And as I look around, I mean, I, I see blue sky and clouds above, but that is not where I am. So how do you break that down with them to, to help them see that? That, you know, yes, there is the kingdom of heaven that, that we hear about in Revelation, that we, we believe that God willing, we're going to end up as saints one day. There's the kingdom of God at hand on earth, which is probably getting harder and harder to see some days, if we're being honest. Mm, And then because of that, how do we identify the kingdom of God in our lives? Yeah, so it is easy for the eighth graders to see heaven. I think that, I mean, I I even tell them, I don't want to talk about heaven in this course almost at all. Yes, it's amazing. Yes, I think it's an important part of, of the Christian message, but they've gotten that message since they were teeny tiny. And frankly, they're fixated on that part of the message and they need part of the message for today, here and now. Uh, The cool part about our class is they had just finished a section on what Jesus did. They had just learned a little bit about John the Baptist, repent, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. And they came up with this definition of the kingdom of God is anywhere God is or God lives. And so they could easily then in that context, see Jesus doing miracles, for example, being the kingdom of God on earth, right? That was pretty concrete and simple. There is God. There is God doing something on earth. So that must be part of the kingdom of God. That must be something of what St. John the Baptist was talking about. And, And I think today, if you encounter that, you know, that type of uh, experience, which does happen. I'm a little plug, like over at the Catholic Renewal Center, people pray for wonderful things and wonderful things happen. And that happens throughout the diocese as well. But I I just want to give a plug for them. Um, But when you encounter a miracle, yeah, now it's a lot easier to say, oh, wow, yeah, here's the kingdom of God on earth, right? Here it is. I could touch that. I I think of the uh Poor Clares of Perpetual Adoration who have a monastery out in the middle of the desert near in Tonopah, Arizona. And I mean, literally, once you get off the main road onto the dirt road, and then you get off the dirt road onto just the dirt, you know, and, and you still have to go another 15, 20 minutes. Out in the middle of nowhere is this monastery. And we said, sisters, why are you here? And they said, because our Lord wanted to be here. He wanted the, the kingdom of God right here. He wanted the Blessed Sacrament here, his presence here. So that's an easy way to think of it, because that that is his sacramental presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament in the desert. But then I also think of when we talk about the kingdom of God here on earth, let's look at our metro area and some of the outreaches we have through our churches, through the archdiocese, homeless ministry, 
ministry to the hungry, the, the, the soup kitchens and or the, the casserole programs that I know so many parishes participate in. That is the work of the kingdom right here because that that's when you do this for the least of me, you're doing this for me. Right? Are we on the right track here? I mean, I would include, you know, Covenant Network, you know, doing its good work, evangelization through the airwaves, you know. This is spreading God's truth, God's love. This right here is the kingdom of God. Us all in the cars, wherever we are, participating together in this form of community and this form of reflection. Any aspect of it, whether it's a corporal work of mercy, a spiritual work of mercy, any aspect of us allowing God to be operative in our lives— in that kind of loving God and neighbor sort of way is part of the kingdom of God. Absolutely, the sacramental presence of our Lord in the Eucharist and in the uh, churches is fundamental to all this, the source and summit of Christian life. I just need to make sure that point is reinforced. <laughs> right. Exitus, reditus, and, and source and summit, that we're sent from the Mass, but then we come back to the Mass, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we do all of these good things outside in the world because of our Eucharistic mission. And, and I think of at the end of Mass, go. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the instruction. Go and, and live this, to, uh, to paraphrase. It's easy, I think, even in that respect to say, all right, now I'm, I'm with you. Kingdom of God here on earth, all of the good works happening to serve the poor, to serve the spiritually poor, to serve those in need, the, the work of, I mean, look at how many hospitals were built in the United States since our founding because of the sisters living out um, and, and the laity living out that calling. But then where it gets really hard, because sometimes we don't like to take this look, is, okay, the kingdom of God inside of me. Well, the Father, hold on now. <laughs> you, know, you, you want me to look in my heart? Stop the press here. I think we can, we can end the interview here. I don't, I don't want to look in my heart, Father. Oh, absolutely. Yes, um, we are. So we're, you know, let's go all the way back to baptism and what we once learned about it is that you, know, you receive um, divine adoption. You receive um, the Holy Spirit within you, and confirmation as well. We've got that you know, aspect of things. Uh, and we believe that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit indwelling Trinity in each of us, in our souls, like more present to us than even you are to me right now, Adam. Like, like there's something very much at our core that God has chosen to reside, abide, um, inhabit us, and that we have a connection at that deep level in prayer. Um, and I want to draw another connection, if, if I could, because I think Marmion has excellent advice about how to have this humble confidence, and it connects to his, his comments on prayer, if I can go off on that tangent for a little bit. I, I need to explain it for a second, which is that he believes that we relive Christ's mysteries. So think sacramental, or think um, of the liturgical cycle for a second. You know, in Lent, each of us perhaps give up something, we die to self a little bit. Each Easter, we have a little resurrection moment, perhaps some consolation and prayer from God. Uh, each each um, Christmas time, we're going to think a little bit about the simplicity of God and, and various things associated with the nativity. So in that sense, the mysteries of the rosary come to mind as well, that we participate in these various mysteries as we live out our lives. He said that there was a fundamental mystery in which Jesus always participated, and that's being in the bosom of the Father, 
Now, for Jesus, that is this beatific vision, like seeing God face to face, you know, at all times, um, and, and the being being in the embrace of the Father, in, in that hug of the Father. Let's 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 interpret the line "bosom of the Father" in that sense. And he said that it was in that embrace that Jesus did all of his other mysteries, whether that's evangelization or miracles or the cross and the hardest parts of his life. Right, because that's when we really need help persevering to this humble confidence. Is when things get difficult. Now, for us, we're not going to see the beatific vision on this side of heaven. But he essentially says that in practicing the presence of God, realizing that God's already present to us, around us, within us, um, that we can we can call upon that recognition that God's already among us and with us and in us. That we can call upon that as a sense of being in that embrace of the Father, of being in that, you know, hug of the Father, bosom of the Father, and call upon that when we need it. Um, here, we can already recall to ourselves, God's already present with us here in the studio, here in our cars, wherever we are, and allow that awareness to move our hearts in a new way. And uh, like that really opens up a moment of grace for us. And the more we turn to that, again, in those more difficult moments, meetings we have today and those more difficult fatherly conversations we have to have or deliberations we have to have today, um, the more we can elect God into those moments and persevere better in a humble confidence. A priest that I I often enjoy his preaching, um, and we talk quite a bit, he called me up one day and he said, hello, Adam, where are you? And I'm going to note for a moment that he studied for a long period of his life with the Benedictines. Mm -hmm. during his formation. But he said, hello, Adam, where are you? And I said, well, Father, I'm on my way. We have an appointment, but I, I still have 10 minutes to get to the rectory to meet with you. And he said, no, that you were supposed to say, I hid myself because I was naked and afraid. That's what Adam says in Genesis when God says, hello, Adam, where are you? And I, I groaned uh, because this is Father's sense of humor. But then we started talking about that very point that when God asks that question, it's not that God doesn't know where Adam is. He wants Adam to identify where I am. And, and I'm going to take this to another priest then that we talked with here on Roadmap to Heaven about a year ago, who brought up this idea that how many times, and this might tie in with that humble confidence we've been talking about, how many times we think, well, I'm going to go do this. You know, it's, it, it's me. I'm going to go fight the spiritual battle and be the victor. And I'm going to win souls. And I'm going to do all of this. I, I, God, I got it. You know, you stay there. I'm going to go out and do it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Your job is to draw close to that embrace, to the, the, the bosom of the Father. Mm. And, and I think as we're about to hear in the season of Lent, um, you know, with Psalm 92, under his wings, we, we often think of it in the song, On Eagle's Wings, but mm. that that's where we find our protection. That's where we find really that confidence is in being near to the Father. So when we talk about the kingdom of God in me, if we can't identify that in ourselves, odds are good we need to ask that question, where am I? And figure out how to make that answer close to the Father. I had a I had a person who read the book and liked the book a lot reach out to me recently and say that he had a little prayer practice that was helpful for him, and I've tried it myself and found it helpful for me. He said that in his morning meditation, he takes a few minutes of silence in the morning. That he said to Mary, you know, take me to your immaculate heart, and then Mary, take me from your immaculate heart to Jesus's sacred heart. And then Jesus, he adds now, take me to the Father's, the bosom of the Father, like to just take me there. And, and that could be such a powerful moment of prayer of just resting with God kind of in that embrace 
and then probably receiving a mission like okay now you have this to do today like this this period is over this has been wonderful now you need to go get ready for that 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 radio interview today and that's your mission like now you know what it is and you know what you need to do and that brings clarity and with that clarity that brings confidence proper confidence in oneself then right and then you can express whatever God has for you to express at that point. I love it because that's something that we, we hammer quite a bit here is that prayer helped me to do God's will. You know, we, we are very uh, fond of the Blessed Mother, to put it mildly. That's probably the understatement of the century that here at Covenant Network, we're fond of the Blessed Mother. But everything we do, we entrust to her intercession, asking her to help us, you know, pray for us that we would do the will of the Father, that we would do God's will. And we have to start with prayer. Um, and then we have to... I love the way you put that. It reminded me of um, something a Jesuit priest and I were talking about when we were talking about the Ignatian examine and the examination of conscience at the end of the day, that one of those ways we could be asking that question is, Lord, how are you calling me to live my vocation today? Because, I mean, I know my vocation. I'm a husband and I'm a father. The radio is the secondary thing, but it, my primary mm-hmm. vocation right now, I am, I am a husband to my wife. And I am a father to my children, and that is not going to change tomorrow as long as I'm on this earth, right? Mm -hmm. But how I'm supposed to be that husband and father might be dramatically different based on the needs of the family tomorrow versus the needs of the family today. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I mean, what when you were talking, I mean, that's so beautiful that you get the priority right and that you have a sense of where due proportion for each, for example. Uh, there is a step, just a half step before it, which is our most fundamental identities, is is as a son or daughter of God, you know, and that's so primary that nothing can take that from us. Um, and that's such a good grounding right there, even before you get to that vocation, right? Even before you get to that next step of of, of stepping out in and uh, being that husband and father and, and then going into a, a job as well. But that more fundamental side is something that a lot of people lose sight of, that fundamental identity, because otherwise they lose the identity into something else, Right. Maybe the job becomes the identity. And that's when you see the priorities are definitely out of whack. Um, But even I suppose it would be much harder to get it really wrong. But you could even as father get a little bit too tied up into that being the identity. And just that's why that half step first of being a beloved son of God is is the starting point. I I think of my friend Brian, who whenever he introduces a speaker, and he does that quite a bit in his uh, in his job, he'll always start with, uh, you know, say he was introducing me. He'd say, Adam Wright is a Roman Catholic husband, father of five. Oh, and he's the host of some radio show. But that's not the important part, you know. And, and I think if we're writing those bios for when we might be introduced somewhere, it sounds like what you're saying is that first thing, the most important thing is child of God. Yeah. Child of God, and then whatever the primary vocation is, and then whatever the secondary vocation. So Father Cashin, child of God. Child of God. Benedictine priest. Yes. Teacher at yeah, Priory. Exactly. In that order. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I love it. Well, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. I wish we could uh, keep going here, but unfortunately we're unable to do so. But I look forward to reading more about Blessed Columba Marmion, and hopefully sometime soon we'll be having you back because he'll be St. Columba Marmion. 
that, that that's the hope yes so yeah. uh hope i hope people pick up the grace of nothingness uh navigating the spiritual life with blessed club of marmion all right well thank you for helping us navigate a little bit of that grace of nothingness here on the roadmap to heaven podcast today you're welcome